All right, welcome to the Blank Sutra Podcast. Uh, I'm out here. My name is Carlos Reyes. I'm here sitting next to my also awesome co-host, Cameron Dorsey. Hello. How you doing? Yeah, yeah, man. Fantastic. You look really good today, man. Thank you. Wow. We've been working extra hard today. Oh, yes. And this whole week. Put in the hours, bro. Yeah, absolutely, brother. Uh, Today, I'd like to introduce everybody that's listening to a new faithful guest, that's coming in. I'd like to introduce uh, artist, mix engineer, AR and co-founder of Saturday Sermons, Mr. Scott A. Yeah, what's happening? What's happening, guys? Ooh. Thank y'all so much for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, Thank y'all sir. for having me, man. <laughs> man, how you doing today, Scott? I'm good, man. Labor Day weekend. Uh, got time to relax. Still grinding, but I'm doing pretty good, man. It is, yeah, yeah. We were just talking about, um, you know, the the work that you also do with uh, with Tico. Yeah. It's, uh, it's your main gig. Uh, man, it's got to be, like, crazy, especially during the season. Like, you've, you've been with them for a while, I take it, right? Yeah, I've been there, I think, going on seven years now. Nice. Yeah, yeah. November would be seven years. Heck yeah, man. so especially, like, being in Florida, there's got to be a lot of uh, crazy disasters or calls that you guys probably have to, like, deal oh, yeah, with. Oh, yeah, man. I've, I've had some some crazy it, it, it can be a high stressful job um especially on the emergency side of things which is where i'm at but uh you know you kind of once you do it after a while you kind of roll with the punches you kind of know what to expect it's consistently the same thing sometimes you get hit with something that's kind of left field but you know what i do you kind of have to learn how to roll with the punches so nice. yeah and yeah. you got us you got a sweet thing going on with just having to only worry about it for like one week mm-hmm. itself and then just be offered the rest and just yeah. kind of do your work. So I kind of already included it into the intro here, but you are a mix engineer, yep. which is actually something really awesome. Yep. Usually we have artists, musicians that come about here yeah. uh, that all also do that in the same reference of maybe working on their own records, producing, mm-hmm. at least being in sight line of the actual head engineer mm-hmm. that's behind a desk. Uh, would you mind sharing a little bit details about your your work recently? And then I also wanted to you know catch up on Doves. Yeah, this is your album that's been out. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, as far as uh, I'm, I'm trying to brand. It's it, being where I'm at right now. I'm trying to brand between being an artist and then being a mix engineer because I do take that craft so serious. You know right. what I mean? So uh, the mixing side of it, I go by Mix by Scotty. Um, and as far as recent projects, right now I'm wrapping up. Um, Gats's latest album I'm executive producing I'm featured as an artist and I'm completely mixing um that record and uh that's set to drop next month um but that's the latest full body of work uh you and I worked on a Rod's record recently um which I believe that's supposed to be dropping in a couple weeks uh Barely Legal um they trusted me with the last few records that they've dropped um we actually just dropped the freestyles they're coming in hot they're coming in hot man yeah man yesterday they dropped the the Miguel and uh, Dre freestyle, and then I did the original record um, for Joe and Bands that dropped like three days ago. Nice. So, um, just trying to keep busy. Uh, yeah. And obviously doing my own stuff. Um, like you mentioned, most artists, uh, that's how I started out, you know, not being able to afford studio time, mm. but also wanting a certain kind of quality. So Quality control. Quality that, control. That you have, yeah. Yeah, man. So, you know, uh, fortunately, I was, I was around people as, you know, as a young artist. Who kind of invested in me they helped me buy you know my first piece of hardware so the first thing i ever learned 
um, how to use was Pro Tools. You know what I mean? This was like 2008. My old mentor bought me an inbox. Wow. Uh, mini. Um, That's so cool. And uh, he had actually paid for the Pro Tools uh, license. And gave it to me. Oh, that's so nice. So I, I didn't have to. I didn't have to get a crack version. It was, yeah. it was legitimate. You that's know what so I mean? cool. I just had to. I didn't have crack waves back in the day. Um, <laughs> and, and those <laughs> things did cost a lot of money. Like back I remember then, yeah. going through like old uh, internet archive pages of studios from like Blackbird or so, and they have like the old version of Pro Tools back yeah. then. That stuff takes up a whole half of the room because you need the actual hardware you to go hardware. with it. Yeah. yeah, you can't just flip it on a laptop. You need to have hardware with yeah, it. It's yeah, crazy. back then it was specifically just avid uh hardware like you could like nowadays they, they, you know they're universal you can have anything anything now to kind of run it but back then it specifically had to be an inbox had to be the the 002 yeah 003 you know what i mean so you know but back then you know i didn't have the money so um i kind of dabbled with it um recording myself recording my friends i was like a little neighborhood engineer nice and because i could rap i kind of was able to communicate with the artist on a creative level but i took the technical which is also a creative process mixing is but i was able to kind of translate that on that end as well and i just kind of fell in love with it and just try to get yeah. better as i went so yes yeah, almost kind of like being sort of like the the leading captain in in a project that's going just because like you have that technical know-how exactly that's how right. i felt too when i was first getting into this mm -hmm. uh me and my friend dylan he mostly did all the recordings of like the acoustic guitar mm -hmm. but because i was also his good friend and i knew how to at least like set up fl studio yeah <laughs> and like how to get what he's playing into the computer yeah it just worked out i was like okay just go to carlos he he can at least like help you out yeah. with this they'll make it work yeah and you kind of then develop uh not only understanding of just like how it should sound from also just listening to records mm -hmm. but i guess that's when you become okay let me steer your ship a little bit because like now I can understand like what what we're trying to do here maybe fulfill the exactly. the whole song together bro exactly exactly so but with that being said you know being an artist it is kind of that I think for me now that's like the most challenging thing because I can't just listen to music now and just be a casual listener just let it be yeah like I'm either dissecting the actual creativity as an artist or I'm over here dissecting the way the snare kick vocals just sitting in the mix yeah. you know what i mean so it's kind of like a weird place now where i'm just trying to go back to being just a casual listener where i can just appreciate the art versus trying to dissect it and switching that hat back and forth all the time so when uh when me and cam had brennan porter on for one of the episodes shout he, out to brennan <laughs> shout out to brennan yeah, my guy. <laughs> nice guy yeah mm -hmm. he mentioned how he doesn't listen to music regularly yeah. is that how he worded it yeah he's like when i'm in the car i don't listen to music because of ear fatigue that's a, that's the thing. Yeah. That's yeah. a real thing. If anything, I'll, to keep me going, I listen to podcasts or I listen to sports or something like that. But yeah. like music, even like when I, I used to listen to music to work out, like I can't even do that as much anymore just because if I know I'm going to mix a record later, I need to dedicate time to, to mixing something. I'll rather just not put my ears through that. I'll just put something light in the background yeah. just to kind of set a mood, but not necessarily have me too focused on it. Because if I'm sitting there listening to a record, like I said, I'm, I'm dissecting turning things up probably more than I should in my AirPods or something, and I don't want to cause that ear fatigue. So I yeah. try to avoid that. That, that whole I thing, I think it makes sense because <clears throat> if I'm working like outside or maybe I'm recabling something that's involved or like wiring a cable, yeah. I would just put on like a YouTube video or just something that I know my attention won't be going like so far off with it. Yeah. Because I feel like with music, I'd want to... <laughs> Dude, I'm so guilty of just taking way more time selecting the song 
that I want to oh, play. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's because it, it's a yeah. meaningful moment. I, I definitely see it as, you know. I agree. Shout out to Brandon too, man. Uh, I, and I know that ear fatigue thing is, is a real thing for him because he, um, I remember I was at a show with him and we were, that was the first thing him and I were like talking about was like our ears. Like we were at a show and the, the, the system wasn't up to par. And both of our ears were like, we're over here. We want to support the artist, but we're over here thinking these are. You Could know, you say to, what, what venue this was? I don't even remember the venue. Um, it was a show where Prem. It was it was a Prem, barely legal perception. It was it was like a month and a half, two or three months ago, and the sound system there. No, no shade to the to the venue. Just the sound system just wasn't as clean as as other. Uh, venues were was um, it just like too loud it was just too harsh yeah. yeah yeah too harsh and obviously sometimes artists don't have the best mixes so that adds to you know how harsh things Double will sound just kind it, of yeah, yeah. Me, him and i were just like damn we just got to cover our ears and he right he referred me to some uh soundproofing earbuds mm, yeah, so every yeah. time we go out you can't really tell like i saw dre at the show and he i had my airpods in because i lost the ones that brendan referred me to and i, so I had my airpods in and they're like Damn, you really listen to music during my set? I'm like, how nah, disrespectful. It's not that. It's like, I have to protect my ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? For and, sure. And sometimes I just do that just to, you know, preserve what I have. So I, I used to grow up thinking that I shouldn't really put on earplugs because, like you said, it looks a little bit like you're disrespecting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it makes, it makes sense because, like, dude, I can't even be at a show and just normally listen with naked ears because. Mm -hmm. They're gonna try to like bring up the whole sound yeah. to to fit for the crowd, and yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Ear protection. Yeah, once you thing. lose it, man, you can't. You know, you you yeah. once you lose it, you can't get it back. So exactly. You know, I've I've even noticed. You know, been doing it for a while. There is a difference in my hearing, um, and that's why even more so now I'm I'm being more protective of preserving. You know, especially now that I'm getting bigger clients. You know, more consistent work. My, I'm using my ears more often. You know what I mean. So it's just trying to protect it as much as I can. My, like you said, my money makers. Yeah, dude. Work, so <laughs> uh, you don't have that. to mention exactly who whose it was, but any sort of like projects where just things kind of like felt like it was so like jacked around, like sonic wise. As like, man, I have to really like fix a lot of stuff before I dive in. Um. Uh. There were a few um, that 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 happens uh, a lot of times. The biggest thing for engineers, I think, um, is getting a session that's not organized or missing files. And a lot of times that's that's where the the hassle is at first is kind of gathering all the files you need. Sometimes the composition is, isn't even how they wanted it to be or, you know, some of the stems are already um like you know, baked distorted, in baked oh, in, yeah. or like, like for example, the the Arad record we just recently did. Remember the first half of the record? He won. It had the bass synth and everything, all on one in, waveform. All on one wave. The drums were separate, but the 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 instruments yeah. itself were grouped. In, yeah, all the rhythm then, section. Yeah. Then the second half of the record, though, where it transitioned, all those were stemmed out. So it was like you know what? we can't really control. Yeah, but he got that's how he got it from the producer. Uh, but you know this, you you get things like that where you have to kind of figure out how to yeah uh, you know make the record work when you're still limited. You yeah, know, for some sure. things you can control, other things you can't really. So and what's so cool in this time period is that a lot of people are wearing those hats of you know 
I can be the person that does the recording, but I'm also like the original producer for, you know, these tracks. That too. Yeah. And so like you said, like even the producer's side, maybe they just didn't stem everything out, you know, proportion to how it should be. Yeah. And especially with the arrangements. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to all those songs that, well, what's been your most favorite one to mix so far? Favorite uh, production? Right now, man, um, I'm I'm having so much fun. I've had so much fun mixing Gats's new album, um, because uh, coming from a hip hop aspect, I feel like we're so used to the boom bap sample style of things, but we both pushed the envelope. Um, he produced it entirely. Um, we've had uh, you know a few different instrumentalists here and there, but for the most part, he produced ninety eight percent of the project, yeah. and it's very dance. It's like I, I can't explain the sonics, but it's like dance. It's very dark. It's very rhythmic. Um, but he's also rapping at a at a very high hmm. level. So like at, from from a musical standpoint, it's it's fun for me because um, I haven't heard anything like it. Hmm. But from from an MC from a hip hop artistry standpoint, I'm very like um, I'm very excited to see him kind of tap into that. You know what I mean? And me just being the person that's gluing it together you know i recorded it um he produced some of it most of it at my house i believe and then we just had the stems we composed it together and just kind of seeing how it, it turned from you know a to b you know after after spending so much time with it it's like this is the process has been just completely fun because i'm so involved with it but seeing how you know we're reaping the benefits of really trying to push the envelope it's just it's just cool yeah you just know? forming a new sound yeah i think you mentioned he just went to like nashville uh, no, LA. LA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He moved to LA uh, right after we finished recording the album. We recorded at my apartment here in Temple Terrace, and then he moved to LA, I think, like February or <clears throat> January or something like that. So, Bro, last time we spoke, you brought a good point, and we, this kind of ties into what we were just doing today, uh, speaking with Christopher, but going on to what we jumped off of, how Gats has been doing this for a while. Yeah. You know, and it's almost like undiscovered diamonds Mm -hmm. as one would say in tampa florida in general but as soon as that talent moves over to the other side where the grass might be greener then it's like instantly Instantly. where have you been kind of like yeah it's 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 kind of crazy man i was just talking to the homies and and we were we were saying how i love i've been i've been a part of the scene since i was 14 years old um i'm 32 now so that's what 17 18 years something like that um and seeing how we have so much talent in Tampa, whether it be the live music scene, hip hop, R and B, rock, we have so much talent in this city alone. But I don't feel the I don't feel there's like a a, a safe infrastructure for artists to kind of get noticed here. Like you said, you know, a diamond or, or a gem here, an unnoticed gem. Mm-hmm. But it's like you, he's been on the scene for over yeah. a decade. Yeah. So to not have like people know of him, don't get me wrong. Uh, people know of Gats and, and all the work he's put in, but it's just like not appreciated for whatever reason. Same you know thing with I mean? Dochi, I believe. Dochi, Dochi was here for a short period of time, and and she she was one of the ones that didn't hit the circuit. She she started doing it, and and people who were who were there during that period of time, um, it was a short window of her introducing herself on the scene, but mm. she, she got plucked out of that immediately and was put on the big stages. So when she did get that notoriety, there were people who were in this infrastructure that were like. Who is she? Why is she getting the 
but it's because she didn't have to waste time going through these circles. Because I feel like once you go through the infrastructure, sometimes you kind of stay there. Yeah. You stay, yeah. you stay in that place. And because she skipped it, people were kind of shocked and they felt like she needed to go through that in order to get some kind of, but no, she's from Tampa. She's, she's, yeah. she's homegrown. Um, everything she does is she's always representing Tampa, but she's just so talented that her talent is way beyond the circuit that we have here. Right. You know what I mean? And there are a lot of artists who are like that, but sometimes I, they, they feel like to be a part of community, they have to get in those circuits and, Sometimes it just doesn't really serve them well, I believe. That's sort of some gatekeeper kind of yeah. nonsense. If you're like, hey, you didn't prove yourself here. Why are you in L.A.? Like, well, because I have the talent to do it. Exactly. Like, yeah. you shouldn't have to toil in a specific yeah. realm for a while, like, to prove yourself, quote unquote, if you just have the talent to supersede it altogether. Yeah, exactly. It's really a pit. It's like a, it's like a mosh pit. You just get stuck into it, and then you're just with it for, scary, for how long <laughs> it's, as, it's scary, it, as it can be, man. It's scary, man, because that's my, like I said, me being on here for so long, I've, I've met and I've known so many people that I believe should have made it in one way, shape, or another who are connected to people who, who hmm. did make it but it's just like their fire just dies out. You know what I mean? And and that's to me, that's the scariest thing of staying local here is, yeah, you may be known here, but really it's not really serving your talent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, and I love, and I love, I love Tampa hip hop. I love Tampa music culture in general. So, you know, that's why you mentioned Saturday sermons, you know, that's our way of kind of spotlighting artists that haven't really been noticed, but pushing them beyond Tampa, trying to try to shed light, with other people from different areas of the city or different areas of Florida or different areas of, you know, the region. Hmm. Um, yeah. I want to tap in know. on that in a few, uh, but so, so true words. Uh, I'm hearing yeah, from man. there, man. <laughs> I, I feel like I live some of it too, just seeing it, how it is as like an artist yeah. myself when I was doing tours yeah. before the pandemic, um, going into your origins a little bit, yeah. what kind of like culminated, what, what bit, scott into i want to do music was it first as being like an artist as rapping first and writing yeah. or did it first just stem out from just solely engineering and your passion for it um well i actually started writing music when i was like eight eight nine years old hmm. i used to you know do a little freestyles my uncle was the one that put, put me on hip-hop um and i would like my family wasn't they didn't really have a music background so you know he grew up in the 90s so him being a young man just put me on to hip hop and stuff like that. So, um, but I started writing around third, fourth grade. Um, but it wasn't until high school when I went to high school, I went to tech. Uh, it was, I believe, 05. My Tampa Bay Tech? Tampa Bay Tech. Okay, cool. Uh, was class 05. Uh, I met um, uh, my boy Reggie, who everybody knows on the scene as Prophet. Him and I started rapping together. I used to battle rap in high school. But through him, we met, we had met our mentor, Matthew Steele. And Matthew Steele was the person that really like put the fire. He's the one that bought me the inbox, mm-hmm. but this was like later, you know, but he was so um, crucial in my developmental stage of just like really trying to do this. And I remember through Reggie, he, he heard of me and was just like, okay, well, you guys are a little group. You guys are still young. At the time he was managing, he was like 24, 25 at the time he was managing a group that was around his age group. And he used to book studio time at Deep Productions over here. Oh, I heard about that. So at the time, this was Brian. And um, because he had already paid for studio time, he would book 10-hour sessions, like boot camp style. 
um, Whoa. sessions. That's cool. So he would pick us up from school, and my mom was cool with him. So my my mom tried, like he would even he went to meet my mom and everything, and was like, you know, this is what I want to do with your yeah. son. Take him to the studio. So that's when I first got introduced to a studio kind of atmosphere, um, and that's what kind of sparked the bug as far as engineering because I saw Brian working and I saw okay, this is what a booth looks like. This mm-hmm. is what like seeing hardware and seeing him turn you know something into nothing was crazy but also too the older guys that he was um managing at the time they looked at us as little homies and just pretty much they were mentoring us as well as far as teaching us how to structure songs so you know they they were big into listening to outcast and nice um, you know you know their whole thing was song composition so they were teaching us about hooks because we used to we used to rap and we'd have bars for days, but Just there was no structure. Yeah. There was like no con. There was yeah. like no specific. Got to steer concept, the car. You know? you know what I mean? And we didn't know how to. We didn't know anything about bridges, hooks. We didn't even know how many bars we had. So you know, learning between eight bars, sixteen bars. This is the hook, and this is how you end a song. Okay, this is the concept from A to B. Like we went through boot camp, and when I saw that, it kind of really inspired me to continue doing it. Because compared to my age group, we were around older people. And because of Matt, he introduced us to, you know, the Tampa music scene at, at a very young age. So mm. I always looked at it as there's you can do it. There's a way to do it right. right. You know what I mean? Mm. So I've always looked at it from that aspect. And that's what I think what made me consistently do it was because, you know, I had people in my corner making sure there was I always had people critiquing me. You mm. know, I could send my, my music off to somebody. Or I could send a verse. Nobody sugarcoated anything. Ah, you could do better. Try this. The bold truth. You know what I mean? mixes um i tried mixing ad it's too thin you know what i mean i always had people that was always honest with me so it just made me always sharpen my my skills whether it was an artist or engineer or something like that so um yeah man that's pretty much how i started and it's kind of always been a passion that's it just interesting grew. man it just grew you know the older i got i wish i could see more of things like that like almost like boot camp styles but yeah starting from yeah but off the jump from high school yeah freshman year you know that, that's better than having to be maybe at like a ymca or in the streets and in, in the reality of, of how things are yeah out there that's man that's incredible do you still have any of those like early recordings or, or raps that you did from high school or from the boot camp era uh i'm sure like this is back when we people have cds man <laughs> yeah uh i'm sure matt does and i'm sure reggie does um i gotta reach out i know i remember reaching out a few years ago and i was asking him about he said he had it somewhere but i haven't listened to those demos in probably like 10 plus years that, that'd be a crazy little um yeah. time capsule to look back on and be like where, where you came from and exactly man that's Just awesome hearing how it goes now yeah yeah <laughs> yeah Just sticking with it trying to and i think for me it's always been i love the art I think people, I never cared about um, clout. I never cared about money. I never cared about, not to say I don't care about those things, but for me being, a, I've always been a student and I've always been around talented people. So so talent has never been something that like made me go crazy or want to, you know, everybody I, I, I'm really close to is somewhat talented on a high level, not not on a mediocre level, but on a really high level. So talent for me has always been there. It's just how can I contribute and how can I help? That's how I would view it. And from 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 a place of really doing the art justice. You know what I mean? So. Hmm. So. Dude, yeah. Dude, so when did you go from that point of the boot camp and rapping being recorded, learning like the uh, anatomy of hip hop? Mm-hmm. 
when did you fully dive into the engineering aspect? Like, was there a specific day or a specific instance where you're like, no, nah, I want to do this for a while because you're coming back around the corner to becoming an artist again. Yeah. What, what was like the sabbatical of being a mixing engineer like, and what kind of brought you back into being an artist? Um, I, I always, I always was the artist, but when my early stages, I would go to deep, but uh, Matt at the time also was going to school for engineering. So, he had a little home set up similar to this. And um, so the early stages, maybe for like sophomore, junior year, he would still record us. And I would just kind of be a little sidekick watching him. Mm-hmm. But then when he, he actually moved to Atlanta um, to, I forgot what, what engineering school he went out there, but that's when he, he left to Atlanta. And I still wanted to record. I still wanted to kind of do my own thing. So that's when he bought me the audio. Um, and gave me his license to Pro Tools. Got you the keys there. And then that's when I started really doing it for myself. So it was around like senior year of high school is when I started really, you know, at that point too, I started getting more popularity um, at school and even in in the area um, doing my own records. Mm -hmm. And because I didn't have, I couldn't afford an engineer. Um, And Matt kind of gave me the keys with plugins and stuff like that. I just kind of just applied it to myself. And from there it went to, I didn't have enough records so it was just like my homies who had records. Just help everybody hey, out. Send, send me what y'all got. I could record you. Just send it over to me, and then just did more practice. That's I just kind of used them. I didn't charge them. It was just let's just find ways to kind of have good content. Because for me, it was always good music. Is if I feel like an artist was great at music, they just didn't have the money to go to a studio. And I'm trying to get better engineering, and I I like the record. Let's just trade off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I just help you out. And you give me good music to work with. So that's how, that's how I started. It's kind of built from there. Has there been any moments where it might have included with uh, live performers as well? Because I figure it's it starts off with mostly just like vocalists. Yeah, vocalists and two tracks. Um, I Honestly, that was my biggest. I've always wanted to, but that was my biggest uh, obstacle was finding live musicians for whatever reason. A lot, Especially in the hip hop world. Uh, a lot of producers, they don't really use... It's always FL, and they don't really. Yeah, but they didn't really know how to play instruments. But yeah. once you hear like a like when I first got introduced to the Roots, that's when I was like, "Damn! Like this is actually how you you do it, dude." Yeah, it. yeah. You know, in a live aspect. But but a lot of my friends didn't know how to play instruments, so mm. I never had the opportunity to track live music. Um, I just recently started mixing it. Like I know what it should sound like, what it should feel mm-hmm. like. I just didn't have it in front of me um i didn't get exposed to that until i started working at five back in 2025 five studios in 2020 that's when that's what honestly intrigued me to work out of there because i know the the owners at the time were, were taking in projects where they were doing the live tracking and i didn't even know sweet how how to use the hardware to be honest with you i just i just always worked in the box that's uh, a so max six, foreman right yeah max foreman um uh it was cliff brown um those are the two main engineers there at the time oh my guy uh Nick, uh, Sean Callahan, this pretty much what the team was. Perception was an engineer there as well at the time. But this is like 2020, 2021. Hmm. Um, but that's when I started seeing and meeting more live musicians and realizing how how talented the live pool is. You know what I mean? And just kind of really yeah. wanting to incorporate that into what I do. Because I feel like when, when hip-hop meets the live music, it, it's so much better. It's, it's, yeah. it's so much better. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would be, I mean, like, that is ever my only criticism of, like, rap and hip-hop is when you go to a show and it's a dude just, like, 
rapping over an instrumental version of the song that they've already recorded or sometimes like at worst like the actual studio version of the song they're just rapping (laughs) and they're like screaming (laughs) over it it's like what the hell is this but like i've I've recently seen like um a lot of rappers are are starting to incorporate that um one of my favorite rappers is lupe fiasco yeah and like he has a touring band that goes with him yeah and it's like gospel players and stuff that are playing with him so they're doing like a bunch of really saucy stuff around like the the idea that he laid down however many years ago on like the cool or something and like Mm. they bring one of those songs back but then they'll reimagine it a little bit live yeah and it's like dude this is so i would i would pay big money to see this because like it's it's people collaborating in real time you know it's beautiful man like me that's where me as an artist once i once i did my first live show with i did my first live show with the band in 2012 and from there, I hadn't done a show with a live band in a decade. But that one time I did it had become my most favorite performance mm. because that was the first time where I felt like I was leading. Uh, like, you know, with the two-track MP3, MP4 that you sent to the DJ. Just standing there by I, yourself. Yeah. I'd stand there by myself. <laughs> and if I wanted to improvise, I couldn't. Yeah. I, I had to think ahead of time mm-hmm. to create the show track if I wanted to give myself some time to do something. But, like, when I performed with that band... Um, just knowing that they were following my lead, like I'm, like I remember, from what I remember specifically, I just just told the drummer stop and the bass, just the bass line and the vocalist, they just kept playing behind me, and it just literally created this moment where I was like, I would never have imagined doing this right. if yeah. I had a two track, <laughs> and it just made my performance. Like literally, that show is when I started getting recognition on a different level from from industry people because there there were people at the show who saw me and was like, wow, this kid. But it was, I give a lot of credit to the band. The live band made me look amazing. You know what I mean? So even now, I'll perform, but I would rather perform with a band um, in that kind of environment versus just being, a, a you know, performing at a, at a club doing a two track. Like that's, I'll decline those. I've declined so many shows because it's just me doing that. It's like, mm-hmm. I want, I want people to experience a live set of my album you know what is I mean? it that the venues are are not open to you bringing a band and you have the personnel in place to do it or like is, are, are they just strictly like no it just needs to be you you bring the tracks to the dj and you're up here by yourself we only or, got money for you yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. kind of, kind gotcha. of yeah the money thing sometimes they don't want to pay or sometimes it's um if i'm not the main artist on the bill I can't do more than the main artist is going to do. You know what I mean? Cause oh, obviously, yeah. You know what I mean? Makes so sense. it's like kind of fitting in to the to the set, unless everybody's doing it. Yeah. That would make we sense. You wouldn't want to one-up the, the headliner. You exactly. are the opening act. <laughs> opening act. I'm the one with the with the live band showing out. You yeah. know what I mean? And, you know, it, I mean, come on. That's crazy. It's like. So, but now 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 that I'm older, um, like I said, I, I don't really do things for clouding. Like, I don't need to do shows as much as I, as much as I love it. I love performing. Um, I'm, I'd rather just create a show now. Now mm. that I've met so many musicians, I'd rather just put the money up myself and. Yeah, you're the main act now. Main act, or even pick artists that I know who take the live performance side of it seriously and just put on a great show for the audience. I'd rather do something like that than just, hey, I'll just do a set for fifty bucks. Right. Yeah, you know yeah. It mean? like, yeah. doesn't really do me justice because the money isn't something that really drives me. I'd rather do the art justice. That's what I love about. The way not only the sound and the people that are involved here, you know, 
go towards, but it's almost like a growth of maturity from just wanting to be behind the scenes doing all the technical stuff Mm -hmm. and then into, okay, now that I have this Rolodex full of contacts and epic musicians, I now want to help be that facilitator into creating what we have now. Yeah. Uh, actually, real quick, how did you meet up and get started with Five Five Studios? Uh, it was actually Gats. Um, Gats, he he kind of finessed me. Uh, like I've, I've been working with Gats for over a decade. I've mixed his first two albums back in 2011. Um, but the pandemic hit, and it was like July Fourth weekend, and he was he was uh, at Five Five and was like, "Hey man, he just called me up that morning and was like, you want to come through?'" record me at the studio the studio gave us full access to everything and when i got there it was like a recruitment process so <laughs> they're like you know we heard so much about you you know we like what you do um they were looking for a hip-hop engineer at the time um i was actually working at the dojo this was uh sammy Hughes and max Foreman's studio this is before previous, yeah. max had joined five five so this was like a year before that um so um yeah they, they were looking for a hip-hop engineer because max wasn't over there yet and I just like I liked the live the live aspect of it is what enticed me to say yes I'll do this because they needed a hip hop engineer just for two tracks and but I was just more like oh wow you mean I get to see you guys really work with live musicians yeah I'll do that more like, than come on in yeah <laughs> absolutely I mean? it, it, that's pretty much how that started and I was there for like two years have two you been years. at any of the studios over uh, in St Pete Clearwater area uh, recording studios I have not. Um, I need to though. I haven't. I haven't really been over there. I haven't really been to many studios here in Tampa. You know, I've always been my own engineer. Um, Five Five Studios was the first like studio studio I worked out of, with uh, aside from Dojo, and then I went over to Iconic Sound Factory, um, like twenty twenty one. Yeah, that's with uh, Kashim. Kashim, my guy Kashim. Yeah, man, shout out to Kashim. Um, I know he had Rugat over there, uh, and now you know, I, I I was able to get my own setup like this and now i'm just kind of doing stuff at the crib so that's how hey that's hats off to you Mm -hmm. on that because that's i feel like that's how everything goes nowadays because artists can just have like the setup Mm -hmm. at home or on the road just like enough for them to just accomplish what they need because we know studio time does cost money it's a pure moment and an art form just to get out there with your bandmates, let's mm. say, and just craft and, you know, really be honed in onto recording and putting up the arrangement and everything. But yeah, I mean, it, it does cost money. No, it costs money, man. The self, the self-investment to really, like when I look at, I look at like your setup, for example. Um, I think that's when I, I met you at, uh, the Sunday sessions. Sunroom sessions. The yeah. Sunroom sessions, sorry. I think we were at, uh, Seth's house. Seth's house. Yeah. In the backyard. And the first thing I did was I noticed you you brought, uh, I oh, think yeah, you brought the, this rack right here. <laughs> the preamps, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, and not to say it's, it's the craziest setup, but when you see somebody have stuff like just the investment in yourself, is is when you start to see when people take yourself take themselves seriously. I was just talking to my um uh, my girl this morning on the way before we even, I got here, and I was just telling her how like um the amount of money I've invested in myself. It kind of it kind of shows how serious you right. really take because this is this isn't cheap and a lot of times with the artists we're working with we don't get the return and <laughs> with yeah. how much you spend on the gear yeah. <laughs> it's just really trying to trying to better yourself and really take your craft serious you know what I mean so 
when I, you know, when it comes to working from 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 a home studio setup, that was the main thing that I told myself. I was like, I don't want to sell myself short and not put the the sweat equity, but the actual financial equity behind it sweat to equity. really, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean, to to show myself that I take this serious. So I, you know, upgrading the gear, upgrading plugins you know getting better hardware studio um speakers whether it be a headphone set you know what i mean like even though i was leaving a major studio i didn't want to treat myself like i was a home studio like mm -hmm. i want to be able to have that same kind of setup at the crib you know what i mean so, did you grow up reading like tape op or a sound on sound magazine um those are pretty popular online but i think they're also like magazines as well yeah i remember sound on sound magazine matt used to give me a few of those back in the day i honestly that was the one area that I really regret, really regret. I never was a person that was reading the magazines, and I never went on the uh, like the Reddit forum. The forum, the gear, gear space, gear, gear slides, gear slides, yeah. slides <laughs> dude. Yes, yeah, man. And it was like there's so it was so much knowledge on those things back in those days, and even now, probably. I just I don't know why I, I just had to learn the hard. I'm more hands on, yeah, and I have to like see people use things and see if it. You know what I mean? That, that's how I was. Like I couldn't just go on a blog or something like that. I feel like magazine. when when it comes to it, if you are trying to find something out or figure like a piece of hardware or a microphone, yeah, I would go to those spaces. But I don't know if I would passively just be reading it and just like, oh, this cool compressor has you know two point millisecond attack time. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I don't know. I, I'm doing that. I feel like I work backwards because I'm doing that now. Like now, I'm doing the research to really understand like it's crazy like a lot of a lot of what i used to do was based off feeling it wasn't it was technical knowledge don't get me wrong but the amount of in-depth research i've been doing now it's helped so much but uh you know oh, yeah. it's kind of mixing that knowledge with the feeling of still keeping you know the art creative side of it um but i feel like i'm working backwards now like i should have done the research yeah. way way back then but, but I mean, as the problems arise, you have places to go to look for it now. I mean, I feel like, the I new feel, resources. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I Definitely. feel like it, it'd be better to like encounter a problem like, why is my mix sound so thin? And then you like reverse engineer where you got to be from like all those forums as opposed to like, pa like Carlos is saying, like passively read the magazine and be like, oh, that's a pretty cool compressor. Yeah. I wonder what that does. <laughs> that's you true. Know? That's true. Like, so you're, you're doing fine. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, What's man. that definition of, of luck? Like luck is, it's more so just like preparation that meets opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like the preparation of it. Yeah, that's true. So if you're just like passively reading through a forum of, or just going on reverb and discovering new microphones, because I didn't know, like, I didn't know about the 7B that's in front of you. Yeah. I just knew about, oh, this is what a microphone is. But because I wanted to like find out my options, that's when I started like, oh, that's why it's so famous in Michael Jackson's recordings. That's why it's exactly. used all around for like Coldplay and shit. Exactly. That's, that's how I'm with hardware right now. Like hardware is, uh, I couldn't afford hardware. Um, all I knew was in the box mixing. So like Same. I would have, and even back then, the only really crack plugin I could find was Waves. Yeah. And so they got some good plugins. They do. They do, yeah. they do. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But like when you, when you really start, doing your research and you start like you said you know why is my mix sound thinner i'm trying to achieve this specific sound but this plugin does and you realize it's a totally different brand and you start looking up that that brand and their products and it, then you're just like wow there's just so much out there you yeah. know what i mean and hardware became 
um, like you said, it's like studying mixes of like, damn, I really like the way this snare is hitting or mm-hmm. the saturation on this. And then you'll go back to the engineer, talk about the record, and I'm like, yeah, I ran this through hardware. And it just ran it back. In. And it's like, damn, I don't have the, I don't have the hardware to process that and get that texture. But that's right. why yeah. I like that sound. You know what I mean? So now I'm doing the research more on hardware and trying to make sure I'm, I'm up to date on what's out, what does what. You know, what is it that I'm trying to achieve as an artist so that way I can offer that to other artists when I'm mixing their records? Like, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. You know what I mean? You're building the tool bag. Pretty much. Yeah. Basically, that's how that's how I see a lot of things is just we're just building the tool bag. Building the tool bag. Yes, sir. We were interviewing uh, a previous episode with our uh, mutual friend, Vinny, and he's a great bass player, well-known around Tampa. Shout outs to Vinny. He was on my album. Shout out to Vinny. Yeah. Heck oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. He was mentioning like uh, the first Slipknot record I was recorded in 96K. No, that was Corn. Corn, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I listened to it and it does sound pretty clean. Like it's it's interesting that, yeah, like the, just a shift in, in a frequency range that you honestly can't hear. Like 96K versus 48 is was a big deal it, it was this corn album that yeah. it was the first album that they had recorded at that sample rate and honestly it it sounded clean but like i nobody can hear twenty thousand hertz you know or like <laughs> 20 hertz yeah. It, i mean yeah it's it's still it's still corn it's still the music that it is but it's just interesting different people's approaches and when i think like 96 i, I think movies you know yeah. or like tv shows you know uh, audio to to sound and i think he was explaining that like yeah yeah you want the highest amount of information possible uh, to be able to work with, yeah. to be able to work with because it's going to get compressed either way exactly. you know no matter what medium you upload it to yeah that makes sense might yeah. as well start out with the greatest yeah man uh saturday sermons yes sir how did that come about i was going through you guys's pages once and mm-hmm. you've been talking to me about it uh, a handful of times yeah uh tell me more about this this venture this project that you have going on uh saturday sermons um that's just my way of giving back to the community um like i mentioned uh it originally started out in the pandemic um i was i was on the clock honestly working and i was writing a verse and I just kind of recorded myself on my iPhone. It was a Saturday afternoon. And I just wrote 16 bars, recorded it, and I called it Saturday Sermons on the Instagram page. Like, I have it archived right now. But um, I don't know. That kind of was like, damn, that sounds like a hard title. But that is I, really nice. So then I was like, you know what? Let me – I kind of slept on the idea for about a year. And then, um, you know, my brother, my my manager, um, his name's Hometown, if, uh, Derek, um, Hometown Hero. Um, he has a platform called Beats and Chill. And Beats and Chill has always been geared towards producers. So I just came up with this idea one day when I was even working. I was like, I don't have a platform, but I have this idea. And I would love to have to collaborate with um, somebody who has an existing platform that's already established in the community and just kind of put this idea under that. So I reached out to him and I was like, listen, I have this idea for MCs. Um, And then... Since you're beats and chill and you're geared towards producers locally, let's find a way to kind of create a platform where we can get this one-off idea that you can't get this anywhere else. This record only exists on this platform. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's not even a full record. It's just a showcase of both the producer and the artist. And um, we decided to do a pilot season 20. We started the idea 2020, did the pilot season 2021, and then we've been doing it ever since. 
Nice. So we're, we're, we just uh, we shot our third season last month. I just got the footage back for episode one. I just got the master and the footage back, and it looks amazing. So season three is going to be dropping pretty soon. We're going to start doing a rollout on that pretty pretty soon. But it's just our way of giving back to the community because like, we've been doing it for so long, and we've seen so much talent come through out um you know through the city as even on the producer side i was talking about artists who have to leave but i don't think people really understand how tapped in the producers are in tampa like the the amount of plaques um that the art hip-hop on the hip-hop side tampa producers are on the they're more successful than the actual artists are yeah, so that's it, cool it's crazy bro. <laughs> um, that's all <awesome. laughs> it's, it's crazy how, how how well connected they are yeah but you know it was just our way of kind of giving back to them. You know what I mean? Like, you know, we fully fund it. Um, we pay the artists, pay the producers, pay the videographers. Um, you know, we do a live show at the end of the year, uh, which would showcase all the artists that were featured or some of the artists that were featured. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's what we're, that's the formula we're currently running with, but it's just, it's just some online um, content that we want to give artists um, that we feel your, are dope. What's been your favorite one recently? Recently. So far. Ah, man. They're all my favorite, to be honest, because I love all the artists. But uh, some of... One of my favorite... Uh, I don't want to release the artist's name yet because I want to, you know, when we do the rollout, but one of the artists on his last season, the one we just shot, he went crazy. <laughs> he went crazy. He's probably one of my favorites. That for sure is one. But ones that we've already released, Vern Sr., Vern Sr.'s episode, he actually produced and wrote his verse so that was 100 percent Vern. Hmm. um his verse was crazy jay brown went crazy for five minutes um him my guy six half uh this guy named chris dukes uh he goes by nine sex from season one so many people message me about his episode because just his writing is on a different level and he's somebody that's industry connected as well and but he's a gem that's here like he mm -hmm. was right up the street from both of us he's like right in between both of oh, us. oh shit <laughs> he's like right here all the time genuine dude and his episode is just so crazy it's very simple but just profound at the same time so i say Vern, chris and jay brown and this guy that's that we're gonna be dropping pretty soon so what what's the order of operation for an episode like production wise uh, oh, it's it's a full production. Uh, we have we have a whole day, so we 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 plan about two months in advance. Um, we reach out to all the artists that we're scouting. We confirm availability. We reach out to all the producers that we want. They send us packs. We assign the 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 beats to the artists, and then we have a big meeting with all the artists that they have to attend, and we go over production day because it just costs too much to try to do an episode at a time. We shoot the whole season in a day. Mm. <laughs> that's cool so they have to be prepared they I like have that. to they have to be fully prepared uh we spent about an eight hour day like this last season we were way more organized we had you know interviews um we had we had somebody there to style them we had a barber on staff we damn had, uh, dude a makeup artist that's awesome like, this we is a like, damn show <laughs> yeah it's a production you know what i mean that's and so cool i was there as the, as the tracking engineer um uh our, our camera guys our lighting guys and we just tell the artists in the meeting, you know, you guys have about 15 minutes to try to get your episodes knocked out. So try to become prepared, write your stuff ahead of time. And then they come through and they they deliver. And a lot of times what I love about the, the production day is that I guess maybe it's just nerves where people feel like I don't know what to expect when we get there. And then you're around their They're around their peers. So when they see one person go off like crazy, 
Now you see that you feel like, the energy okay. in the room. Like, okay, okay. Like, now all we, right. <laughs> now I got to make sure my episode is. <laughs> You're about to go on next. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to go on next. That's crazy. You that's, know what I mean? That's a really cool like um, EPK that to give an artist. Yeah. Like in in the 15 minute stint after post production, they have something now that they can be like, oh, you don't know who I am. Yeah. Like if they go to another market that they're not tapped into, they can be like, check this out, and it's this really polished looking product. That's like, that's so cool yeah dude. man and you say that that's that's our goal like we don't really we don't really ask anything of the artist besides giving us their best so you know all we ask is 16 32 bars just go crazy like they're not paying for the beat it's anything for the producer just give us your whatever you feel is your best we're gonna match with who we think is the best artist to match that and then it's it's been successful every time we're like it's just, the episodes just come out crazy so Dude, this is going to be a staple of yeah. the bay area that's what i'm trying to make right now right now we only do it once a year i would love to do it at least twice a year because we do yeah. about eight to ten episodes a season so if we can at least have 20 episodes a season where we can just keep keep shooting they keep in front keep, of people keeping in front of people yeah. those meetings have to be super crucial i bet oh yeah they are and yeah. the fact that you have the fact that you have that one solid meeting i'm sure there's more to get all the artists mandatory that they have to be there yeah is is really great it's, it's been a learning experience man because you know when when you ha when you're ambitious and you just have ideas yeah you're not thinking about the kinks that come along with it you know what i mean this is our oh, third yeah. season now so we've already had kinks from season one when it comes to, to the production itself, you know, uh, we have meetings with the production team alone. Like, how can we make this different than last season? Um, and then when we have that meeting and we figure it out, then we, you know, same thing. Okay, what happened with the artist last season? Or what can we work on with the rollout? Let's try to, you know, um, clear some of those those wrinkles out. So that way, when we have production day or even when we do the rollouts or we have things already in advance that we didn't have before. So the more the more we do it, the more we kind of find those kinks and we've been able to address it. That's why we had those mandatory meetings because we can talk to everybody at the same time and set that expectation. There's no, you know, there's no room for, oh, dang, I didn't know that was how it was going to work. Last like, minute yeah. switch ups, yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> Is it always filmed at the same, like, uh, studio or soundstage? Yeah, uh, for the last, yep, for the last three seasons it has been. Awesome. Yeah, we, we shoot it at the compound um, here off of Bush. So. Dude. I've been to the compound. That's, yeah. um, I think... I was there with Sammy, Sammy Hughes, yeah. and they were doing the rehearsal for, for his show at the edition. Yeah. And I was like, dude. Yeah, that whole bottom level. You have like a photo studio at this corner. You have like a podcast area. Then you have a studio upstairs. Like, yeah. this is it's intense. <laughs> yeah, we shoot, we shoot right there in the bottom level where the, uh, where I guess where the podcast area would be. Yeah. Yeah. So that whole area, we kind of clean that out and just put a backdrop and my you know, production guys with the lighting and all that. How's the marketing been with with once the episode is done and ready? Mm -hmm. uh, does it go out live after maybe like two weeks or so? Because I guess the audio also has to get uh, mixed and mastered as well mm -hmm. for each of the, the episodes for the season, right? Yeah. So we do that. Um, that's honestly the quickest process is getting audio. Um, it's the video editing that kind of takes some time. So, you know, my, my our video guy, editing guy, he um, he just waits for me to send him all the he'll, I'll send him the demos. So he can start the edits, yeah. Um, but the final version, once I get the final mix and master, I'll send those over to him, and he'll just upload it uh, that way. We haven't put anything on streaming services, 
but that is something that we have discussed now for future episodes and try to retro and kind of clean up some of the audio from the previous seasons so we can kind of put those on like a services. compilation album compilation ep That'd be sweet you That's know what so i mean cool, so yeah. kind of repurpose the content um but when we do release the episodes um uh we do tr- we just put it on youtube right now right now youtube and instagram mainly more instagram because it's easier to just quickly see it mm. um but right now we haven't to be honest with you uh we haven't really put too much money behind marketing just because we're trying to see what the organic data has been from yeah. season one to season two like season one i had reached out to so many artists and they just didn't see the idea so it was really mm. hard to find a lot of artists who were just ready to just do it you know what i mean mm-hmm. but when season two came around once people saw what season one looked like they were like okay now now i see yeah. what y'all are trying to achieve so it was a little bit easier to get season two so we were able to see a jump in um you know viewership and, and those kind of things engagement yeah. uh, organically nothing was paid for everything was just organic so um this season though we definitely are gonna strategize a bit with marketing more but now we're trying to get sponsors and those kind of things um so that way we can do more episodes but also have money behind marketing have money behind merch and those kind of things i like how exclusive this sounds like just from you talking about it and how it's like separated in seasons and you said it's like only once a year yeah it's pretty much done it yeah it has like an exclusivity behind it because i can i can think of like a handful of businesses that do something similar but more so with bands yeah that i've seen uh but never really one that's just like the vocalist and like the producer is being highlighted here. Yeah. And it's all just like cut in one whole one whole day. Yeah. You know, and you just you just get that that slice of it. So Yeah. That that is pretty awesome. Uh tell me about Doves, this yeah. album. I was listening to it while I was hanging out at the coffee lounge. Yeah. You know, and you just you just get that that slice of it. So that that is pretty awesome. Uh Tell me about Doves, this album. I was listening to it while I was hanging out at the Kava Lounge. Uh, I really enjoyed that one song, Eden. And some of the stuff that you were telling me, that guy, Average, he played some piano. He played the World is Yours. Yeah, the World is Yours. <laughs> progression into yeah. that. Uh, tell me, how did that start to like conceptualize? Was it all first just from early demo work into then I know who, who to pick mm-hmm. to, to help produce this? Yeah, um, it definitely... So actually, um, I, I I went through a hiatus musically, um, as far as me being an artist from like 2013 until 2019. So I hadn't put out any music. Um, my first first project was called From Around the Way, and this was like 2011, and and that was an album that got me a lot of notoriety in the community back then. Um, so when I came back, it was kind of just re reintroducing myself to the community because at this point, people who were from that time period remembered me. But it was a lot of new artists, a lot yeah. of new faces, a lot of people that I meet don't know how how deeply rooted into the community I am until I actually start talking about it. You know yeah. what I mean? So I just use that as an opportunity to kind of reintroduce myself. So, you know, during the early stages of me creating the album, I was just trying to figure out what is it that I'm trying to talk about? You know what I mean? Because I'm a father of, of three girls. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's a big part of my life, the biggest part of my life. Um and, you know, I'm, I've, I've never been a clout chasing money type of artist. So yeah. it's like, you know, how can I give myself without giving too much of myself kind of thing? So that's how I kind of approached the album. 
Um, the album is actually dedicated to my daughters, so it was a very personal album. Oh, sweet. For me. That's so, so cool, man. Thank you, man. Thank you. So mm-hmm. originally it started with just demos, just trying to create, find what is my sound now. The The soundscape definitely changed from 10 years ago to where I'm at now. So it was just me trying new flows, me trying new ideas, me sharpening my pen again because I hadn't write, written full songs in a long time. So I was just trying to get back into the groove of still sounding relevant without you know sounding corny at the same time you know what i mean so but that's where the boot camp comes in i mean those those 10 hour days where you're learning song structure exactly. and the bar counts and all that stuff yeah. like that you probably had to dig yeah. or, or that was just there it's like riding a bike you yeah just, the muscle memory is just but just kind of getting back into i guess just you know it is like riding a bike, but you, you know the chains do rust up a little bit. Oh, for sure <laughs> yeah. for sure you make sure you wd-40 on it wd-40 on it you know what i mean but even then back to the mixing like i hadn't mixed for 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 a couple of years so it was like also making sure that i i knew i was always a quality first kind of person so i wanted to right. make sure that my mixes were also up to par so trying to you know do both at the same time was a little challenging but i was using a lot of my early demos to also practice my mixes um and it started from there just kind of figuring out what it was that i was trying to say uh what season i was in my life um cuz i'm i'm an artist that always speaks from a real place Hmm. So I was just trying to figure out where I was. And once I figured it out, um, I wrote a lot of my original demos I scrapped except for the f- the only one I kept from my first batch of demos was Letters. That was the first one that I kept. And then from there, I started just crafting more songs. And then I got the first half. And Guy came around the latter half of the project. Like He came when I was like, like 75% done of the album. That's when he jumped in, and that's when I really started working with Guy, and he started um, adding instruments to existing songs, like the song Magic, the outro. The first half was already recorded in 2020, and then when I met up with Guy in like 2021, he created the whole second half based off the first. So that second half of the beat didn't exist until I met him, and then I didn't have an idea to write anything until I saw what he had created. So that's that's when I started really getting the shell of, okay, now we can add and polish up certain parts he doesn't he didn't fully produce that the project but moments that i knew would tie in a lot of the concept that's when mm. guy helped with like blue moon blue moon the first half was a youtube producer beat um but i had this idea for the second half and that's when i sent him the detune sample of the world is yours yeah and then he created it and it's all one song but he added the finishing touches at the end of it you know what i mean um so and it just kind of went from there. Um, I wish I had him on board a lot sooner. I feel like the, the sonically the album would have been a lot more polished. Um, but I'm still satisfied with it because a lot of it still came from a real place from those YouTube yeah. beats. Or I produced Sundays on there. That's that's a record I produce, and then guy helped touch up some extra sounds on there. But and it's and it's out there. So, it's out there now. Yeah, you know, it's like you're just letting go. It's it's done yeah and i said the album was real personal it was very therapeutic so it was more for me than it was originally for for everyone else but once i gave it to everybody else it was like okay i'm done with it now i can really you know um tap into new sounds new sonics Mm -hmm. i've met so many people because of the album um that i know they've heard my previous work so now they know what i'm capable of so now they're more uh more um willing to collaborate with me just yeah. now it's like okay we know that you're you're great at what you do so 
um, that that's what I'm more excited about because now I can book sessions with artists that I probably wasn't able to tap in with before, mm. and they're like, okay, well, shit, I'm, I'm whatever you with, I'm with. You yeah, know what dude. I mean? So that's that's what I'm more excited about because now I have live musicians that want to work with me. Now I have so many great producers. I don't even want to touch a YouTube beat at this point. It's like everything is local and homegrown. There you go. <laughs> people that I'm friends with that want to create with me, then that's I feel like that's probably where my best music is going to come from. So, was there a lot of uh, tracks that didn't make it into the final? I know you mentioned oh, yeah. just one from the original demos. Yeah, man, I I recorded over fifty songs. Holy shit! Yeah. A lot of songs. <laughs> oh when I say God. that though, I mean like some are just hooks. It's relatable. Some are just verses. But even yeah. so, that's a lot of. Yeah, leg I have work. a lot of demos. Yeah, a lot, a lot of. Because like you hear a lot about rappers that have albums, and yet there's like several songs that are just like scrapped not even in yeah i remember reading about that when it came to like uh kendrick's like early albums yeah and just like stuff that maybe will show up on like datpiff.com but that was it you don't really hear about it in like his new releases yeah and Cameron was telling me about with Prince and how he has like a whole vault yeah, of just like has, uh, millions uh, of songs. <laughs> a vault with walking space full of songs that he's recorded and just hasn't released. released. Yeah, man. Because a lot of times it's just, it's just crafting. You know what I mean? You're trying to just get better. And, and it ain't even like the songs are bad. It's just, I feel like artists who do that a lot of times have a, have a really big vision for what they're trying to achieve. And even, and they're just so creative that they create, but it, the idea can sound dope, but it's just it doesn't fit the vision. So mm-hmm. they'll just have to just put it to the side, and it'll never see the light of day. Uh, and I've done that. I haven't. Done, I'm sure, like when you're an artist on my level, you know, people don't really care to go digging. But when you're like on a Kendrick level, people will take your demos and make a whole album out yeah. of it. Because it's, <laughs> yeah, it's just sure. so high quality. For sure. You know what I mean? Even if throwaway ideas would be better than a lot of people's right. best best. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, their hit song, you know. Exactly. Do, so. do you do you have like a I'm a big album fan. Do you have like a a main idea or like a through line with this recent Doves release? Um and also ha- you said your daughters are a big inspiration to you mm-hmm. and what songs do they show up um they show up throughout um throughout the album to be honest with you but i really shouted them on the eden record the one you're talking about uh the first bar was me paying homage to them so hmm. it was uh it said lay me next to an olive tree that's surrounded by violets and rose petals as far as my eyes can see hmm. so my daughter's my oldest daughter's name is olive my hmm. middle daughter's name is Violet, and my youngest daughter's name is Ava Rose. So damn, dude. I was saying like, when you lay me down, surround me around my kids, because through my kids, I'm gonna live forever. That's you know what I mean? wow. so <clears throat> damn. So that was that was, but like the the intro um, starts off by me saying I can hear doves flying through the window, um, which is pretty much me signifying my daughters are the doves. Hmm. So it's I, 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 I hear I hear them. And the first half of the album was me, you know, just personally, just being transparent was me dealing with certain traumas that I felt like get just guilt, you know what I mean? And things I put my kids through. And then the second half of the album was me healing and recognizing that I'm loved and I'm going to live through ever through them. You feel what I'm saying? So self-forgiveness. Yeah. And, and the whole time when I referenced doves, I always had like wings flapping. And that was always, you know, that's when I had like an intimate moment mm. in the album. So, you know, I don't really 
tell people that i rather them just leave it up to how they you know interpretation, yeah, 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 yeah. interpret you know interpret the record but my original intention was that so anytime you heard like a, a wings flapping yeah that was me transitioning to a moment of true transparency wow and then go back to the next record. and it's literally wings flapping literally yeah in that sort of song that's so cool dude yeah man damn <laughs> who thinks that in depth about that shit? Yeah. like that that's some true artist yeah tier thinking like forethought about the sonics of something like that's awesome yeah man <laughs> during the mixing phase was there a lot of uh point of separating the mix by scotty and scotty the artists yeah where it just doesn't collide into just like okay now we're at revision 20 here <laughs> it, it was very stressful for me and i think that's why now my biggest thing to be honest with you man and my biggest thing was because i can do everything it's re- it used to be really hard for me to try to get assistance from other people, creatively, mm-hmm. technically, you know what I mean? So Doves was a big lesson for me where I was able to still be an artist, but because I didn't let other engineers or other anybody touch the art, I put too much weight on myself. So that's why when I listened to Doves, I was telling you when we were texting the other day, I was like, I felt it could have been so much better if I would have allowed like delegated people. some of the tasks. Delegated it or just allowed input. The only person that really kind of opened me up to letting any kind of critique, positive critique or negative critique towards the towards my process was Guy. Guy was the first person that I trusted that was like, I don't think you should say that. Or, yeah, he kind of over, you know, he's just an artist at this point. Yeah. He's not even, he was just giving me his honest feedback as a friend. and was just like, ah, this sounds a little too compressed or this sounds a little too muddy. Hmm. Or it doesn't feel like it was always a feeling thing. And because, you know, him and I built a friendship where I can give him feedback and he give me feedback and there's no hard feelings. It's just all service to the art. Hmm. Then it, it kind of opened my eyes to future projects. Because at this point, like I said, he came towards the end of it. You know, I couldn't really redo the entire project at that point by the time he came along. Yeah, 75% it, in. <laughs> yeah, so once that kind of changed my eye, you know, my perception of how I should work on projects moving forward. So like now... Like I said, the biggest thing was writing the songs. And then while I'm writing, I'm already thinking of the mixing side. Mm-hmm. And it kind of takes away from the creative process because now I'm thinking technical is two different thought processes. And instead of thinking, you know what, I'm going to let so-and-so mix this. So I'm not even going to touch it. Mm-hmm. All I'm going to do is just write. Let me just whatever I feel. And then I once I'm done, I could create like a little demo mix. You know, <clears throat> at least I can convey what I'm trying to feel. But trusting somebody to be like, you could touch, you could touch this this art of mine and I can trust you with it. Right. And I'm not gonna be overbearing. Let's collaborate. If I have feedback, I'll give you feedback. If you have input on what you think would sound dope, then I'm open to that as that's well. That's really you know yeah, I mean? that so. that's really important, really strategic. Yeah. Uh, especially through artist development, even as as yourself for sure. And then handing that off to someone for mastering. Yeah. Uh I take it you were also in those sessions as well. Just nah, I was <laughs> nah, man. It was uh my guy Justin Colin. Um, shout out to Justin, man. He's been so clutch for me. Um, I met him. I didn't actually meet him until like earlier this year. Oh, so after <laughs> like in person, yeah, like in person. I never met him. It was all just through Instagram and through email. But uh, but he my, knew of his work. I know of his work because my guy Sean Callahan. He had an album that I was featured on. I was on like three of the records on that album. And he sent me the mask. He, he had a session with me. We were showing me the masters that he had got back. And I was like, this, these sound crazy. Who did this? And he was like, nah, my guy, Justin. 
and he was showing me how Justin went in the session and tweaked my vocals to sit better in the mix. And he he was more knowledgeable than both Sean and I were <laughs> on making things sound a lot better. And then he mastered it afterwards. So he wasn't just taking on the the mastering part. He like sat in with him as the engineer. Was like, you know, you should try this so that way the master can sound better. And once I saw him do that and what well, I just heard it. I didn't even meet him yet. I just went through word of mouth. And I was like, yeah, I'd rather work with somebody who I know cares enough to give the engineer honest feedback. Um, and, you know, I just reached out to him and said, I heard what you did. I love what you got. Um, I have this album. Do you mind mastering mine? And we've had a working relationship ever since. So even now, other artists um, that I work with, I refer them to 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 Justin or like with you with your master now now that I'm trying to meet other engineers you know I love, I love your work you did for a oh, ride yeah. thank you man you know what I mean now I can refer artists to you you know what I mean so I've always try to build relationships on that kind of level where it's like trust and just kind of really just on a creative level but also on a business level try to refer and help other engineers as much as we can because I feel like we all we got really you know what I mean but he's he's definitely been one of those guys who looked out for me. Um, and even provide a great work for other clients that I work with. And it just makes me look good. You know what I mean? Yeah. They love working with him. You know what I mean? And and it's just, it's just been a, a great working relationship. But no, nah, he, he definitely did his thing on my album. I gave him two songs and I got him back in probably like a day or two. And I was like, wow, this sounds crazy. Don't you, you love that? Man? That's yeah, awesome, so. dude. You said you met him in person from like another project afterwards yeah uh it was um i got uh, perception while well, perception perception's latest album yeah he uh it was fully mixed and mastered by justin so the final touches on perception's album he wanted to record some vocals over there he invited me because justin the studio is out in clearwater so I, I took the ride over there perception invited me over i think the thing was me brendan bishop and guy were all mm. in that session and I, that's when I first met Justin for the first time, but it was like two years after. I've already had a working relationship. I finally met him in person. But Damn. nice, cool guy, cool Dope, guy. man. Yeah, man. What uh, what studio in Clearwater was that one? I don't even know. I, he's always been in his own space. Okay. Um, yeah, I think he had just moved to that studio, so he was still setting things up. Um, I don't think he works out of like a. He's kind of like us. Just just on his own on, on your own and yeah I, I do know he used to work out of clear track i that's what i when i was first yeah. thinking about was clear yeah track. He, he used to be an engineer there so he he's legitimate yeah but now he's just been independent i believe for for quite some time now so yeah there's like there's this crazy one that i've been to zen and it's completely been renovated mm -hmm. it's over in largo but they have like a bunch of like the guy michael michael rende he has a bunch of gear in in that studio space uh i don't know like how often he's getting like work over there but i know he has like several bands that that just do whole recordings all in all in the same live room wow pretty much but that's dope you have yeah you have that and then you just have like the work that you can do like on your own time on your own at time. home yeah in a space that you rent out or so yeah uh that's incredible say when it came to the final release with doves i take it you had a show but that wasn't like the live band performance show that was no, just no it was that was yeah. okay it was at the attic um it was at the attic uh i had i only had junkyard open up for me as an artist um he actually did the art cover for the album um, but he's an artist as well. So he opened up for me and I just had T Couture 
Yeah, it was just Tika Tour and Junkyard and myself. And uh, it's a really good cover cover art. It's yeah, almost like uh, an oil pastel. Yeah, no, Junkyard is probably style. my one of my favorite artists vocally, like like hip hop artists and actual like paint. Like his his mediums for painting is just crazy. Like he's a tattoo artist as well. Yeah. He started this tattoo for me. I didn't get to finish, but He's crazy, man. His work is crazy. What's the tattoo? I was supposed to be doves. Uh, three, three doves. We just got the line work for two of them. Oh, but I was supposed okay. to get a third oh, cool. dove and then get it, get it detailed. So, any uh, foreseeable plans of the next project? Now that's going to be, yeah, way, um, way more. <laughs> I've been booking sessions. I already have the concept. Um, that's how I know I'm ready because I, I feel I'm a conceptual artist. So once I had a concept, that I was like, okay, this sounds, this would be amazing. Um, I started getting the shells of all the, cause once I, once I finished doves, producers from all over started sending me projects from the city. So I've had so many beats just sitting in my email nice. so the other week. I just consolidated everything that was sent to me and I listened to it like in depth. And I'm like, wow, the, the production that I have on this next album is crazy. So now I have a shell, I have, I have mm-hmm. a concept right now. I'm just trying to prioritize knocking out. Um, projects that I committed to as far as mixing yeah. Um, so I can get those out of the way Gats is, is the main project that we definitely want to push out so once I'm done with that um, I can definitely dive in now and start working on getting the shell and vocals and everybody that I want to be a part of it I've already reached out to I just told them just give me some time let me knock out mm-hmm. these projects yeah. and then I'm going to start making those phone calls <clears throat> let's tap in and you know I do have a session um, Friday at the crib me and Rue God we're gonna try to see what we cook up, but he's definitely one of the guys that. Shout out to Ruben. Yeah. Oh yeah, the man. Yeah, man, it's gold. Crazy. He sent me. He sent me a beat, man. That was on there. I was like, this sounds like the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, bro. He sent it to me. March. Dude, tons February. of his beats are. And I'm like, bro, this sounds and I and I'm I'm so mad, but I hit him up like, hey, can I still use this? before i commit before i fall in love let me yeah yeah he's like bro i literally just got a placement off that one and i'm like listen no hard feelings that was on me i should have reached out sooner but congratulations but at the same time i'm like damn bro (laughs) yeah dude i would listen to some like completely unreleased beats in his car and it's like all this stuff is like so good how how is this just a demo it's it sounds like it's already mixing crap his demos are i don't know like like he just has a uh I just love his his sound, like his yeah. sound choices, his uh his texture. I'm a very like artist who listens to things for texture, so like his textures are just crazy. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, man. It's, it's, Definitely it's, love his work. Some wild stuff for sure. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I have some, I have some, I have some all stars uh, lined up now. Like before, like I said most of it. The Doves album was YouTube producers and and a few uh, producers like Guy, but now I have. As far as like local hip hop talent, I have all stars like sending me beats, and it's like the quality of production is just next level. And I like I said, I'm trying to incorporate the live sound now. So even though we have a shell of you know the drums and the samples, I'm already thinking you know extra sound saxophones, guitars, what whatever we can make to make this sound live and full. You know what I mean? Is it's probably gonna be crazy gonna be crazy when you were getting into the whole business of saturday sermons yeah conceptualizing that with you know business partners per se Mm -hmm. were there other 
businesses the same way that you kind of like looked up to like I, I can think of like NPR tiny desk or like uh, yeah. KXP or, or um, audio tree live that, yeah. that do that same process was there like a study format for that as well to just like okay let's see most definitely. where do these things hit and most definitely where does it go um tiny desk is definitely one um but the colors series uh-huh i love i love their the visual side of it it's crazy single microphone just a, it's very simple but every episode the aesthetics is they catered to the artists and that color um which obviously the colors theme mm. uh, it's, it's just a dope it works idea. so great it's for so YouTube. simple and yeah it's, yeah exactly um and honestly bt uh rap city the basement i was going back to yeah. rhapsody, rhapsody the basement and that energy that now nah, we came here to body a verse like i i wanted that energy but i wanted the aesthetics to kind of match the colors like that's when i was pitching it to my team and i was pitching it to artists i was like picture rhapsody the basement meets the color series <laughs> hell like yeah. that's what i'm trying to do you know what i mean um like i said we're, we're still we're still kind of getting the aesthetics um you know fine-tuned the more we do it each season um trying to up the production more but we also still want to be original um still have our own style of things but you know those two definitely inspired where do you see it in the next five years down the line do you see it almost not on tv i would say i guess youtube now is as a platform is the tv of this era yeah but do you see it becoming much bigger than where it's at i do I do. I want to. I want it to be a thing where it, we partner with the local scene, um, and I mean when I mean that, I mean like the Gasparilla Music Festivals, mm. um, not not necessarily the local club scenes, but the people who put on festivals or even uh, uh, statewide festivals, where our platform be a way where if you're looking for up and coming artists, we always found them first. Right. Yeah. Use our platform mm-hmm. to be a point of reference to because what we we A and R we're actually looking for artists that haven't been spotlighted. We're trying to use this as a way to be like, hey, we knew this person was going to be great before they were great. Right. Like a subset. So, a subset. Course. So if you if you you know if you're looking for artists to feature on your stages, use our platform. That's so great for of, for and, Gasparilla. And, and it cycles. It, it's cycling, and and it's always going to be the best of the best. Because with the last two seasons we put out, we've had over. 60 70 i'm probably like 100 submissions like people nice. hit our, our saturday sermons dms we have so many people who want to be on that platform who are offering us to pay figuring out how to do the people with their labels out of their, state as well out of state Dude. or out of the city what um, the hell that's insane people want to be on our platform but we're trying to remain true to the integrity of it where you have to meet a certain standard rapping mm. wise like talent has to be there and as far as the producers, the production has to be up to par. And we only have a limited amount of slots that we could feature. So we're going to pick the best of the best. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that that's, but if we're consistent that way, when we partner with some of these other brands, which we're hoping to, I would love to be able to collab. Because that's, that's my way of kind of giving back. And remember that infrastructure issue that I was telling you about. I would, I, I feel like that would help with kind, kind of spotlighting the artists and making them feel like the city is helping them. Yeah be catapulted to where they need to go you know what i mean and then hopefully eventually we can go out of state i've already had conversations with people in georgia and who's connected to artists in georgia so maybe we can do a regional saturday sermons where it's not just florida or not just central florida we can get northern florida tallahassee jacksonville 
Atlanta, you know what I mean? North Carolina, Louisiana, like creating a regional. Almost like a tour. A tour idea. You, you know what I mean? It, yeah. yeah, something like that. Because um, even then, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm partnering with other engineers in those communities who are working directly with the artists. So Yeah, because they know them too. They know them. They have a working relationship with them. And if I'm building that rapport with the engineer, um, they can reach out to the artist. So they can have their own pool that we can get from. And we can set up a whole day out there and do a, a, an Atlanta Saturday sermons, you know what I mean? And you got a central, you know what I mean? So eventually that's 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 the end goal. Um, like I said, without us having to do any marketing financially out of pocket yet, everything has been organic. But, you know, once we start putting the money behind it and seeing how that works, uh, you know, we're going to start trying to pitch to to these platforms, these other, you know, community um, establishments and just let them know, like, this is what we got. We love to work with y'all. How can we make something work for the community? Wow. You know what I mean? So. And eventually, I actually have other ideas. I think I mentioned to you about um, where we start incorporating live musicians, doing something similar for Saturday Sermon. Because Saturday Sermon is very hip hop, mm-hmm. very rapper beat. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. But I want to do something where we incorporate live musicians and have a platform for different genres. Because right now we just do hip hop, but I want to incorporate jazz musicians. I want to incorporate R and B, folk, country, uh, whatever. You know what I mean? And I've already spoken to people to get that started, but we're still trying to just finalize and kind of get Saturday sermons rooted a little bit more mm-hmm. and then we can start branching off doing those other ideas that we have. So, and it's not just hip hop, Tampa's hip hop scene. It's, it's Tampa's overall music scene that yeah. hopefully we can contribute and be a healthy, um, you know, supportive place where artists can, can oh. showcase their best work and we kind of give them the service by giving them good, good uh, product from what we do. You know what I mean? So, that's 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 the goal. Overall, the culture of being in Tampa, being in Florida, yeah, you know, it has uh, a correlation to it where you know we are southern <laughs> in in a sense, but we also have like just this tropic. We have the people that live here. It 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 feels very unique to you know say I'm I am from Tampa. Yeah, you know I I'm from Florida. We do Florida shit. Lord, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Tampa's the one place, man. That's if I don't know if you noticed, but it's it's a really big transplant city. Like a lot of a lot of art, at least hip hop side. I don't know what the other genres, uh, what they're seen is like fully, but I know for hip hop, a lot of our people who come here, a lot of the artists who come here and kind of establish themselves, they're either from New York, Georgia, yeah, yeah, you for know sure. What I mean? Tampa's homegrown hip hop scene has already a functioning working system that they've had since the 90s so right it's that i feel like that's why tampa scene is a little bit segregated because you have like the transplant community who's trying to contribute and then you have the homegrown community and their sounds are totally different at least on the hip-hop side so uh i always find myself as a person who's in the middle like i i've, I've so well connected on both ends but i'm the only person trying to marry yeah, yeah. Both if ends, you guys you know just I mean? came together, it would be so exactly. It'd be it's exponential. like uh, it's like Spider Man when he's like holding the the train, exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 from falling apart. Yeah, um, Cameron, do you have any uh, extra questions for Scott? I know we're reaching the legal limit here. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, man. D- like, it's crazy that this idea just just came to you from you were writing lyrics one day. I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about your, your artistry and your upbringing, but the Saturday sessions thing, I guess it's not really a question. We covered a lot in this episode, but I I just wanted to say like, that's an awesome, 
awesome brand that you're building, dude. And uh, I'm so excited to see what you do in the future. Like, I, man, and I'm I'm gonna be tuning in to this. I can't wait for this new season to drop too. Yeah, man. Yeah. No, the artists at Saturday Sermon season three, man, dropping. The artists are the lineup is crazy. Um, everybody delivered producers, rappers, videographers, engineers, everybody came through and delivered so sounds like it yeah man yeah bro yeah really excited to show you with you guys usually with our guests we allow them a final word of encouragement or wisdom like a, ble- like, a blessing of sorts if yeah you would. we have a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are creators and also in the workforce either okay. either way so if you want to share something of wiseness from you over to the listeners real quick uh some sort of wisdom let's see uh, I guess the motto I live by is uh, I don't have time to waste time. <laughs> so, nice. uh, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, um, whether you're discouraged as an artist, as a as a creative, as a father, friend, whatever. You know what I mean? Do your best all the time. Everything goes in seasons. You know, every season may not be, uh, you know, a high for you, but also every season is in the low. You know what I mean? So just kind of do with what you have. Don't feel like you need to have everything in order. Just keep moving, keep pushing, mm-hmm. keep keep trying to push the envelope, and uh, whatever you do, do it from a real place. No time to waste time. No time to waste time. That needs to be on a t-shirt. Yeah. That's yeah. sick. Where can uh, people find you? Uh, feel free to plug. Yeah, man. Um, uh, you can find me Scott A. My artist page. Uh, Scott A. is kind of spell weird, but uh, it's S C X T T underscore A Y E. Um, that's on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, artists. Um. Our engineering page is mixed by Scotty, but uh, Scotty spelled S C X T T I E, and uh, yeah, follow Saturday sermons. Um, Beast of chill. Well done, yes, sir. <laughs> Thank you guys. This uh, this has been the faithful episode of the Blank Sutra podcast with Scott A. Uh, my name is Carlos Reyes, and my co-host Cameron Dorsey. Hey, yeah. I want to wish everybody out there a lovely evening. I can get you touched and come back to my senses. I've been down and out. I'm searching for essential. Why you so pretentious? Searching for attention. Niggas in my mansion needing intervention. Using intuition. We didn't throw intentions. Yeah. If you ain't talking Benjamins and you ain't really benefiting, bitch. Only static that you're looking for is in the television, bitch. I really must admit.